Artists' Voices, Life in a Pandemic, is a new series of oral histories from the ESP Centre for the Study of Irish Art at the National Gallery of Ireland. These oral histories were recorded as a series of conversations with artists to document their experiences during the global COVID-19 pandemic. This series is produced with the kind support of ESB, sponsor of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art. This episode of Artist's Voices, Life in a Pandemic, features photographer Amelia Steen in conversation from County Mayo on Friday, 1st of May, 2020. Born in Dublin, Amelia Steen lives and works between Dublin City and the Eris region of Northwest Mayo. She is a photographer who began her career in theatre and music photography while moving steadily towards establishing an art practice. Over the past two decades, she has focused primarily on portraiture and landscape subjects. Tending to work in series, her collections include portraits of artists and aspects of the landscape and coastline of North Mayo. Steen's work is represented in many collections, including the Irish Museum of Modern Art and the National Gallery of Ireland. Amelia generously agreed to talk about her life and work as an artist during the COVID-19 pandemic. Good morning, Amelia and thank you for joining me from County Mayo. I'd like to begin by discussing your work as a landscape photographer. I'm sure many of the people who are familiar with your work will know you for your black and white photographs of rural Ireland. These include boglands in the western counties of Galway and Mayo, images of empty vernacular farm buildings in uh, remote rural areas, and photographs of dramatic sea cliffs. These precipices where the the land meets the ocean and I thought you be, could begin by telling us about how you approach the landscape as a as a landscape photographer and uh, how you engage with the landscape I suppose as a as a site of culture and uh, aesthetically and perhaps beginning with your series of uh, photographs of the sea cliffs of North Mayo which you called uh, precipice well the, the precipice series came about from um, me just physically being here and learning how to walk out on the cliffs and learning what I was looking at. Because, you, you know, you're looking at sea and rock and then you realise there's a very special um, shape and form to all this because of the rocks themselves and their grandeur. And then meeting local um, historians, uh, Trasimi Yari and Anshin McGrath, and in fact, I was speaking to them today, and their, their very fine book, Loganamnacha, which is the place names that are put on the cliffs, uh, fields, areas. They're actually working on um, a reproduction of that book. So I'm so delighted for them about that because I'll be, um, I have two copies that, in my life, one at home in Dublin and one here. And it's like my Bible. So when I, when I, when, when I met them and, and I found the book, um, you know, the cliffs stop just being rock. They, every crevice has a story to it. Um, there's a name for a ledge, there's a name for everything. And so you become quite personal with the landscape here because you know that's where the so-and-so and so-and-so's rock or point of deliverance. I mean, there's in the bay outside, there is, it's a U-shaped bay and there's a rock on the right-hand side. It's quite square and comes out. And it's known as the point of deliverance because if you are coming in at sea from that, 
and you you were the sea was rough if, as soon as you hit that rock you were safely within the the area of the bay so you, you know your chance of drowning would be reduced so there's a massive I mean that book and getting to know people here and becoming part of the community and doing community art projects and that's not meant to sound like doing community but you just get roped into doing things and being part of things and um, you build up relationships with people over time and you understand the place more and I think for me I mean people think that you have a camera and you run out into the landscape I don't I might you know, get up, tidy up, sort out my head, go for a walk, and then I'll pick a moment when the light just grabs me and I'm gone out on the cliffs. Or I will pick my time, but it's not, I don't go searching for photographs. I just, you know, the, the mood will take you and you'll know that the light is a certain way. Or, you know, you just, I don't walk around with the camera. I just have to be in the frame of mind where I feel really well. You know, I've had a good meal, I've had lunch, I have a flask of tea, and I know I'm going for two hours that way. But at the moment, nobody is doing anything out. You know, I, I just won't insult anybody here by going out on the headlands of the cliffs, because I just don't want to break my ankle, get into difficulties. I noticed a speak, we normally, there's a, there's a walkway out here to Chopper Watch, which is, which is in one of the photos, and that's a massive project that the community are undertaking here to rebuild it from the original plans. It's called Chocker Watch, and um, just I just finish that bit by saying I haven't walked out to Chocker Watch, and I've been here nearly five or six weeks. I just won't until I feel the lockdown is coming near to an end because I don't want to break my ankle. I don't want to cause anybody any difficulty by having yeah. to have the helicopter out for me that I've done something stupid. But I, I just feel that even the beaches have signs saying beach closed, but we are kind of skirting that slightly. I think it's not for locals, just staying local, do your walk, do your bit of beach cleaning. Um, I, I suppose the biggest difficulty up here for us is you're so used to people calling in. Like when they see the cars, um, Mick and myself are here, the husbands, the men come up to see Mick in the evening to talk. You know, I mean, there's a huge social element in visiting. Visiting is a huge part of what people do here and exchange of conversation. And that's not, that's being really adhered to up here. People are not calling in. I mean, you have the, the, the gate conversation or you're in one car and somebody's in the other. But people are being, are, people are genuinely very nervous. And your work is very much sourced in or influenced by this local knowledge that you encounter. And um, going back to the picture of Chocowatch, this depicts a, a locally known site uh, of some cultural and historical significance in that it was uh, a pre-war uh, watchtower. Is that correct? So we, we, are, we were lookout post number 63. Um, it's a very interesting post and I had absolutely no idea about it, uh, how much information there was until I was researching another project in military archives and one of our friends there said, what number are you? And out came number 63 logbooks, which I have here beside me. So all a thousand pages of it. So we, the community people, have started reading it um, and trying to interpret. So nobody had any real understanding of how much air traffic was going past here because of the Donegal Air Corridor. The flights were coming in from North America and Canada, coming across the, um, across the Atlantic, and they were heading into, in the beginning, Castle Archtail, which is an air, um, a seaplane base in Donegal. So... Um, 
So the whole picture is, is revealing of itself of what went on during World War II off our shores, the tragedies. There's a wonderful book written by uh, Dr. Michael Kennedy, who's been up twice, called Guarding Neutral Ireland, and that is our Bible. So two men sat 24 hours a day, seven days a week in shifts, recording what they saw. And as the war years progressed, they got more sophisticated at judging tonnage of ships. They got better at knowing what was going on. Ben had several tragic uh, bodies washed ashore during that time. So it's, um, Mick. Thanks. Hi. Uh, Mick just came in there to get a few things. You can hear the clicking away. Um, we, we, we have read the logbooks. We're coming to an understanding of what was in those logbooks. What, it, give, it gives us a picture of what life was like here during the emergency, how people, people were trying to, you can only imagine how people were trying to um, imagine what was going on in Europe and how information, so you know, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a synergy between that and now. So some of us in the group have been talking and saying, what was it like? during World War II, has this lockdown given us any inkling of what it might have been like during World War II, the not knowing? Like we are in the information age, so we know everything that's going on. We, we, can, we can see tragically what's happening worldwide, the number of lives being lost. So I can only imagine how terrifying it was not to know what was going on during World War. And we have food, you know, there's no shortages. There was a tremendous loss of life offshore. Um, a lot of Irish people died uh, that were in the British uh, Navy. So they were, they were being, you know, the U-boats were shooting, targeting the boats out off our shore. So there's a tremendous loss of life. And in fact, Michael Kennedy wrote a wonderful um, um, essay called The Men Who Came In the Sea. And we have a body that came ashore here identifiably from Liverpool. So when we rebuild the Chopper Watch, with the men from the Rural Social Scheme, help from the Air Corps in um, airlifting uh, 10 and a half tons of materials out to the headland. You know, we have the original plans. We're going to install some art pieces very, very sensitively as a memorial into it, um, not to clutter it. And we hope to have a website and local schools are making paintings and involvements. And it seems you're thinking a lot at the moment about types of communication, perhaps, uh, whether it's the, the conversation over the gate or the or global conversations or means of communicating with people. Uh, historically, it's via these um, these watchtowers. That is, uh, is this something that you find has entered your work more so uh, recently or uh, in terms of the current context that we're living in? No, because I'm not making any work at the moment. I've just suddenly decided it's time to stop. Okay. So, you know, the conversations that we're having about Chocolate Watch are recapping what we know and where are we going to move it to next? Yeah. What happens with the lock? We're, we're more planning when the lockdown lifts, what are we going to do? Um, we, we're putting together an exhibition. That's on the long finger. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's advancing the project while we're sitting on our hands. That's really what we're doing. Because I don't really feel like taking any photographs of anything. Mm -hmm. Other than I've set up a tiny little black background in the shed and I'm photographing the food that we're, we're eating. Why do you think that is, that you just don't feel like taking photographs? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I've done an awful lot of work in the last couple of months coming up to Christmas. I had a um, portrait commission for 
College of Surgeons, that was nine portraits. I have um, the opening show, whenever it happens, for the Butler Gallery in Kilkenny, which is 60 portraits of a barracks. So it's getting those into production. And so it's, a, and you know, there's been just so much work that you have to do, plus the Chocolate Watch project, plus uh, uh, my own work on the Chocolate Watch project, which is amalgamating photographs that I've taken in the past off the cliffs from Chocolate Watch and putting it together with text and drawings of uh, planes and the, the uh, aircraft identification books in the military archives. So there was a lot going on. Uh, I was also taking small landscape pictures and adding hand color to them. So it just seemed to me like this was a chance or my body just said, stop, get on that sofa for two weeks. Or two, I, I think the first two weeks I never really moved off the sofa. And it lifted my head slightly. And um, just, it was two sofa weeks. If you, and then it's just gradually getting in touch with people again, realizing who you really want to talk to, um, missing a lot of my books. I'm a great one for books, so I miss the books that I put back in Dublin. Um, but I just, I'm just taking it as a time to uh, build up energy, to look at my work more critically, and uh, we've had a, a, a bout of good weather, so that's been remedial and, and a relief, if you like. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what a normal day is like for you as, as an artist? You spoke a little bit about the process of taking a photograph, but obviously the artwork doesn't stop there. There's a, a process of uh, selection and post-production and preparation of images for exhibition. That, can you tell us more about that? what's involved in that process for you? So my, 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 my normal routine is get up, get out the door for an hour's walk. So I would do an hour in the morning, whether I'm here or in, in Dublin. So I go for my walk in the morning, which is really me working because I go into a kind of, I try to go into a very neutral zone and that's, and that's a speedy 40 minutes to one hour and that gets me ready for work. Whereas if I sit at, sit at the desk or try to do something straight away, it's just a waste of time. So I, I formulate what I need to do in a given day. And there's then, at the moment, instead of being able to go to Dominic the printer and pick up a test and look at something on screen, we have, because I have a, a screen set up here, the same screen as he has in Dublin and I have in Dublin as well. So we're literally working through Dropbox on that. And I have uh, all my backup disks here with me. So in theory, I'm, I'm the same as I am in Dublin. You asked me about going out to take photographs. I just, don't feel like it. Mm. You know, I'm just very conscious as well not to be driving around with my camera in my car looking like I'm on holidays here. Yeah. Because it's a very serious time for everybody. People, you know, there's been some quantity of deaths in Belmont in the old folks' home. People are very uncertain about, you know, when will this end? How will this end? How will we get back to normal, whatever normal is, which is their kids coming to visit, seeing grandchildren. So it's, it's just a very normal, ordinary, everyday personal shock. And then realizing globally, that, you know, we're not in such a bad position here. Mm. We have food, we have roofs over our head. It's not World War II, uh, but there's, this, there's just this devastating loss of life. And if you're living in less than comfortable surroundings or you're living in poverty or homelessness or any of the social problems that we've had in Ireland with um, there's a lot of people who are probably in a much 
tighter corner than I am here. So I'm grateful, if you like, to be here and to be able to walk outside the door, take a bit of air and have food. And what would you say you miss most about the normal routine of life? What are you looking forward to getting back to in terms of uh, your work as an artist, the people you work with or meet or colleagues? Um, I think I would just like to be able to, if uh, I was trying to define it in my mind, I'd like to be able to go back to Dublin this afternoon if I felt like it. Mm. Um, do uh, work on my screen there for a while, pick up some things that I have there, the colouring pencils, get a few prints sorted, finish this exhibition for Kilkenny and get it delivered, irrelevant of when it's going to be seen. But just finish off work that's to be done and... Um, I'm a very tidy, clean, organized person, so I have a very tidy house. So I, I suppose I miss my, my, phys, my own physical home, as this is a mix home and studio. And I miss my books, and I miss my friends, and I miss my neighbors, and I miss my family. But you know, this is, we're, we're Zooming, and we're, we're talking to each other, and conversations are long, and it's curious because there's, 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 uh, in, in, um, in my years working as a performance art, photographer which ended in the year 2000 when I pulled the plug on that way of life um, I put up a page on my website in 2015 um, as a tribute to the women I photographed in theatre there's about 30 images up and I have asked one of you know I would talk to people if I meet them on the street and say look why don't we um, put some text to go with this and one person did so um, Kathy Mack she wrote a magnificent piece and last night well, two nights ago, I emailed another person, Kathy Belton, and she wrote a magnificent piece. And in the space of about two hours, I contacted about eight of the women that I photographed. And people come and go, yes, I'll write something. I'd love to. And, you know, it, it's the time to be doing something like that now. So this, you know, I've only got 30 images here with me on screen. And maybe I have some in my, one of my hard drives. But it's, you know, going back to Dublin, um, going through my archive and adding more pictures to that to that page on my screen, but I, I think probably you know your conversation to me the other day has actually brought me back to the reality of it. Well, you know you you better get back on the bus again, stop the holiday vibe here, and start looking at things more critically again. I think you just have to stay in the moment and making your practice, but sometimes you need to step step away from it, and maybe that's what this has done. And on that note, do you think this experience and how we're dealing with this situation, the pandemic, will change your approach to art making in any way? I think as an artist, if you're not evolving new ways of working as you're going along, I mean, you're not, you're not progressing for a start. So I would be very self-critical and I would be always trying to up my skills. So I always feel I'm... I'm really only getting started in, in some ways that you are refining your eye. I suppose I've had a, a little bit more time to look at the artists who work really interest me at depth because I don't have my book. I'm looking at them on screen, thinking about them, how they express themselves through this strange medium of black and white photography. And, you know, you also consider, you know, my work is mainly done with film. So, before the shops were closing in Dublin, I bought 40 rolls of film and enough developer. So there's 30 rolls of it here and I've only used one. You know, I've been here for about seven weeks and I just feel maybe I shouldn't be wasting it. So I'm out with my little digital camera 
And it's not the same emotional commitment. You mean you take a photo, but you're, you haven't committed it to film. You have to think about now, uh, you know, I'm 62 now and I'm not as, I can't go the same long days in, in, in one way and then I can do di things differently. But you know, for the moment using the digital medium is very, very interesting until something cracks it and you think, I have to commit this to film. Mm. So it's not that I'm not taking photographs at the moment, is I'm not committing to my, my practice of using film. And what would you say has surprised you most about people's reaction to this situation that we've found ourselves in? How, as people, individuals or society, we've responded to this quite extraordinary and uh, perhaps unexpected uh, experience that we're going through? Um, that's a very, that's a very big question because I think you can only experience it yourself in what you physically have to do when you go to a shop locally or the local town or the fact that you can only see your friends on a screen or that we're seeing more of each other on screen. You know, we're making an effort to 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 um, to have more physical conversations or check in on each other more. And say, how are you? How's your mom? How's your dad? You know, it's you know, it's been a long, hard winter up here, anyway. And I think this is the time of the year where people will be calling in on each other, you know, even more. And uh, you know, you see the turf has all been cut early. I mean, we had that blast of good dry weather, so we've had the the lambs have been born, the turf is cut and the turf has been brought stacked and been brought in. So you, you have extra hands are at home at the moment. So people came home before the lockdown. So you'll see more young people running on the, running on the roads in the morning. Um, you'll see um, the older men having their sons back to help them with farm work, painting sheds. So there's, you know, there's a lot more to life up here in terms of physical work to keep yourself going. Then um, in Dublin, I'm in touch with my neighbours every couple of days. And I think my, my saddest moment was when my neighbour sent me her photo of her cherry blossom tree. I said, how's the tree? And she said, it's just cheering everybody up. And it, I just had a woof of kind of, I want to go home, I want to see the tree, sending pictures of my flowers in the garden. So it's simple, ordinary things. and that are really touching at this time but you know with with having the internet which is great you can you can read and you can do and you can work and portraiture i don't know when anybody's going to want to stand and have their portrait taken if i could ask you one final question amelia amid all of the anxiety and trauma that this uh pandemic has brought and i suppose in the context of wider issues and problems around the world where do you find and see hope for the future? In goodness in people. You know, I think people, people have to come back to the real values of life, which is understanding, giving of yourself to other people and giving your time to other people and being kind and considerate in life. And it's not all about careerism or, or having the bigger house or your job or... It's just people being concerned for each other. So basic human interest or respect for each other. That's really coming to the fore. I mean, you think 
what the people on the front line are going through at the moment, from the doctors right down to the people who make the hospital work, the, the porters, the cleaners, the, the, the absolute um, dedication of nursing staff and what they're going through and the fear of their families. And, you know, we have to be very, very grateful to, to people who are keeping, keeping the country going, just food, ordinary things. This conversation with artist Amelia Steen was recorded on the 1st of May 2020 through a video call with Donal Maguire, curator of the ESB Centre for the Study of Irish Art.